so here's the deal. If you know where we, Nebraskans, can reliably gather to build a climate movement, please tell me. If you know where we can listen to the voices of other Nebraskans, activists and academics, entrepreneurs and executives, politicians and pastors, students and seniors, express who they are and what they believe and do about climate change, please tell me. If you know where to find a real conversation with climate skeptics, please tell me. At a loss, so was I, so am I. Which is why I, Jesse Starita, decided to create The Dew Point, a new podcast that I hope will answer some of these questions and ask other ones in the service of building a more connected, informed, and inspired Nebraska climate community. Visit Enacts, that's E-N-A-C-T-S dot org, to learn more about the show and movement. Listen. If there are podcasts about soap carving and Call of Duty black ops, then shouldn't there be one on the biggest shared challenge and opportunity we have as Cornhuskers and as humans? Well, at least that's how I feel. So Kat Warner... And Stephen Kirchner, thank you so much for joining me on the inaugural um, to be named climate podcast for for Nebraska. Let me jump right in. And Kat, I, I'll start with you. You know, tell me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where are you from, and um, how did where you are from shape who you are today? Yeah. So thank you for having us. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited about it. So I'm from Bellevue, Nebraska, and so it's a little bit south of Omaha. So I grew up in a suburb and, you know, a military town, but something that really connected me to nature is the fact that even though I grew up in a suburb, there is still a forest that was nearby. And so my brother and I, when we grew up, we, of course, would be like normal kids. We'd like play uh, like basketball, we'd play baseball, um, but we'd play Native American too. And so like all the little kids in the neighborhood would get together and we'd go down to the forest by our house and um, we'd make clay bowls. And then we'd pick mulberries with the bowls. And then we also would, my brother and the other guys in our little tribe would go out and like try to do some like spear fishing or um, to try to hunt deer one time. Very little success because we we're, I think I was like, it was when I was like six to eight. And then like the older guys is when they were like eight to 10. Um, but it was really fun. It's how we really connected to ourselves, connected ourselves to the environment. And so that's just the way we grew up. We just thought it was uh, very beneficial to appreciate the environment that we are in and appreciate what we are given from, like, from the earth. And also part of being a part of Bellevue, it shaped about how it shaped me is as I grew up, I had this appreciation uh, for the environment that relatively no one else had. And so when I was in elementary school, uh, what I would do is every single day, um, my, like the students in my class got used to it too. Like we'd pick through the trash and I just come home, like with my book bag filled with recycling, because of course, like, that's what I knew as a kid. That's, uh, that's how I knew to help the planet, um, is to recycle. So my bag would be full every single day. And then my mom, uh, she was like, well, if you're going to be doing this, we need a bigger bin. 
<laughs> so then I ended up getting a bigger bin so I could take home the stuff from my school because it wasn't being recycled. And as I got older, that just really just developed more as I learned more as I grew. Um, and so something else that um, when I got to high school, I became a board member of a local nonprofit in Bellevue called Green Bellevue. And so with that, I was able to work with politicians, with business leaders, with military personnel, with people who were way older than me, uh, who knew way more about this, these topics. And then that's when I learned how to do all sorts of stuff. That's where my leadership style changed. That's where I learned to talk um, at the city council meetings about how important Earth Day was and why they should um, recognize Earth Day and that why they should give money so that we could have um, like a huge celebration on Earth Day or around Earth Day. And so, yeah, being in Bellevue at the beginning, I won, I only ever wanted to help people. Um, I thought I was gonna be a doctor because all I ever wanted was to help the world. And then as I grew older, I realized the environment was the underdog and we weren't doing anything about that. And there's no point in having doctors of the fact the environment, they don't have a good environment to help other people on. So you can't help the environment if you don't have a world to help you first. And so being a part of that is what made me um, who I am today. And then being shaped by Bellevue, being molded into an activist, um, a student activist at the schools and having all of them um, always inviting me to things. I was always the youngest person at every event I showed up. And I, that sounds like a disadvantage, but I looked at that and I was like, yo, they're like everybody in this room is 20, 30, 40 years older than me. That means the only way the only way I can move is up, and so I all I have to do in this room is learn. And then any part of any group I was in, the rest of them were like, "Whoa, she's young!" Like, and they pushed me to the front, and they like pushed me as far as I could go um, to learn as much as I can and to like boost my confidence and get it all up. And so all of that is really it's been a lot. Um, it's been a long journey, but it shaped me who I am of the twenty year old activist that I am. Stephen, did you, uh, in your youth, go spear fishing and collect trash and bring it back home? Uh, not with the spear, definitely with the uh, rod and reel. Though was really big outdoorsman family. Um, a lot of fishing, a lot of baseball growing up. So definitely was outside um, with my grandpa a lot. Yeah, great question. Um, thanks for having us having me on too, Jesse. Really excited to be on the podcast and and being able to share some stories and things. So I'm from so I'm from North Omaha. I grew up in uh, grew up in Omaha specifically a little bit more in North Omaha, and come from a lower income working class family. That growing up, um, we like I said we were we did a lot of fishing. Um, when I started getting a little bit older, my grandpa got me into hunting a little bit. Um, uh, every summer, I was always playing baseball, so I grew up playing baseball um, down at Power Park, which is right on the backyard of the North Omaha. Uh, power station, um, North Omaha coal plant down um, right by the Missouri River. That's where our our baseball fields and there's a little Vikes football field association. So grew up like really, you know, with athletics being really at the, you know, kind of core of what I was doing was always outside um, running around the neighborhood, playing with friends and things. And so definitely was and camping was really big with our family. So camping, fishing, you know, hunting, that kind of stuff was really how we were able to get away from the city life a little bit and and have some recreation. So I definitely grew up like a little bit more of a naturalist, really loved, loved all of those things, being outside. And that really carried into when I 
started getting into college and things. Um, but in high school, I, I switched baseball for wrestling and coming out of high school, I wanted to, um, be a high school history teacher so I could come back and coach wrestling and, um, be able to give back. Cause that was what I've always been. Once I really got into wrestling, we won the state title my senior year of high school, um, as a team. So, um, and I went to Omaha North high. So that's always been really important to me. And it's always been the way I wanted to give back the most is being able to give back to the sport to help make me who I am and being able to coach and make kids better. And, um, it'd be more about wrestling than me. And it's more about them getting good grades and being able to go to school or whatever it is that they want to do, being able to give back. And so coming out of high school, I actually went to Metro community college for a year and did a year of community college. And that year at community college, I started kind of thinking about, well, if I want to coach wrestling, I can still, I can still do that. I don't have to necessarily be a teacher. Um, I feel I have a lot more talents and um, I start, you know, you're young, you're starting to think about how much money you can make and things. And I was like, well, I like housing and housing has been important to me. So I'll get into construction management. And so when I went to UNL the following year, my first semester, um, I ended up declaring construction management that spring semester. This would have been spring 2016 is when I was taking a geology class and with the extra credit assignment for the, it was just like a geology one-on-one um, and the extra credit assignment at the end of the semester for the class was the professor just had a long kind of laundry list of books. And I wish I remember the title of the book, but I ended up just picking the shortest book that I could find on the list to do this extra credit assignment. And it ended up being a book about global warming, glacial, uh, glacial melt, sea level rise, and it's what it was going to happen to the world. And it really kind of focused in at the end of the book on the disproportionate impacts to low income communities. And at the end of the book, that's where it really resonated with me that, oh, wow, I'm from a community like North Omaha that's already uh, historically low income and has a lot of different issues already happening in our community. And this book's telling me that in the near future, this problem is going to exacerbate all these issues that I already care about from housing to food security to uh, where we're getting our water and just the way we move around our community. All these things I'm already really passionate about are all going to be amplified now. Once I started looking into the issue, you know, you start learning about renewable energy and all the potential I learned quickly about like Nebraska having uh, you know, third most potential for wind, being top 15 for solar too. And I was like, wow, why are we not doing all these things? Started looking more and more. And then I really started connecting the dots when I learned about what the coal plant in North Omaha was doing, that we have uh, a highway that runs right through the middle of our community, that we're a food desert, that all these other statistics that are, you know, very negative and very harmful to people's lives are happening and that I grew up with myself. And so that's what really rooted me. Um, my first year in Lincoln, when I learned about climate change, it's coming right back to my home and seeing all these things I grew up having problems with and living that, okay, this problem is going to really exacerbate them. This is what I came to college to work on. And then from there, um, it was immediately, how do I, you know, change my major to do all these things and to get into this problem. And then, uh, that's where I did a year of environmental or year of environmental studies, really enjoyed the environmental classes. Sciencey side wasn't really for me. Um, that, that stuff didn't stick as much. And so with three semesters left, I went back to history and graduated with my uh, degree in history from UNL and really focused on connecting a lot of the systemic problems that have kept North Omaha to be a more marginalized and, and systemically low income community. I really discovered that link of environmental justice and linking and in the more recent years now, linking uh, the fight for racial justice and the fight for climate justice as being together and that we have to tackle those at the same time. Otherwise, we won't be able to solve. If we don't solve, solve those things, then um, it's just not going to work out.
but I definitely like growing up lots of friends with asthma. Um, like my best friend growing up, we, I played baseball with, he always had his inhaler and was always like every night I, or weekends to go stay at his house. He's got to do like the little treatment machine every night. Um, and so that was like definitely a, around with a lot of friends, even growing up. And then now as a coach, um, most tournaments, there's at least one or two kids where I have to have like an inhaler in my pocket. Most, you know, most of the tournament to where, um, you know, they might get halfway through a match and they need, they need the inhaler or just throughout the day or something. So it's definitely, uh, an issue to where it's more than just like one or two kids on our, our team or, you know, in, and within the athletics of the, the school in general that, that have a, a lot of issues and problems with like respiratory, with respiratory deals. How formed when you got to UNL was your, was your resolve for climate issues and in, and to what degree did, did they get even, you know, more, um, ironed out once you once you got to campus. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Steven take a little bit of a break because he's probably a little bit long-winded on that one. And so with climate stuff, um, I didn't actually learn the importance of it until my senior year of high school. And that is because I independent studied the AP environmental science test. We didn't have the class in my school. And so, but I learned that it was a class. I mean, I, I learned that I could get college credit and I was passionate about it. So I just bought the prep book and studied it on my own. and bucket and so like I grew up in a family that actually denied climate change and so it would be I'd be learning about this stuff like trying to figure it out and then I'd go to like family dinner with um, my grandparents and my mom and sometimes my extended family that would come over because my extended family we all like all, everybody lives in Plasmas we all live in the same small town um, and so uh, they'd come over and they would just like blatantly like deny climate change um, and so I'd be like researching this, like in this book, reading about it, about how like, oh, volcanoes actually end up cooling the earth and don't warm it, like the, what the rest of my family was saying. And so it's like, like everyone from like, from my mom, my grandparents, my extended family was like, climate change isn't happening. It's not human made. Like, there's no way it's happening. And I was just reading about it more and more. And I was like, well, it says here it is. And I would just research it and research it. And so I was like, huh. And then um, like my freshman year of college, this is where Steven comes in. And so that's when like Steven was like, had already deep dived into it. And I was like, whoa, like I, this is a huge issue. And I just started learning more and more and more and more about it because the fact that it's um, such an incredible topic, especially for our generation, cause it's gonna affect us the most. It's gonna affect the next generation the most because the fact that it's, it's our future. And so um, Steven came in and then he started talking about it and he ended up getting me more involved in sustaining, got me involved with Citizens Climate Lobby and really started fostering me. And so Steven, you're talking about your story and like, I just wanted to say like, you were talking about it and it never fails um, to impress me because we have vastly different backgrounds, but we have ended up following the same path. And it's just so incredible um, to that. And uh, also just like so many things coming your way and you, like, this is an issue that you care about. It's just always so inspiring to me. I, appre I appreciate it, Kat. Um, it was great timing. Definitely something that we couldn't have, have planned in any way. So um, yeah, definitely a bit. I, I definitely feel a bit on the opposite for sure on that. I didn't like, like I didn't learn about climate change until I read that book, that extra credit book. That was the first time I'd heard the words climate change. I'd heard of like global warming, maybe in like if you watch Futurama and there's that episode where they drop the giant ice cube, it's the year 3000 and they drop the giant ice cube in the ocean to cool, to cool global warming. That was about my exposure to, to it before then. Um, 
and then, yeah, once I started learning about it though, and connecting the dots, that was, um, that, that spring semester of 2016, I started also getting involved with sustain UNL, but just as a member, um, Adam Fenton was the president, um, Vivian Wynn was still kind of involved. So there were some really good people there that were inspiring to me kind of coming in. Um, and going into that fall semester, fast forward just a little bit of still 2016, that's when, uh, I believe that's when Dakota Access Pipeline protests were really, um, were really large and were really, I know sustained and like Adam and Luke Anderson and a few other people went up and took supplies and things. And um, even though I wasn't able to attend that, that had a really huge impact on my, um, just me wanting to be an activist and wanting to be involved and talk about this issue as many as there are things to, to celebrate and there's a beautiful history and there's beautiful people in North Omaha and all, all these great things happening. There is a reality that people are, there's a lot of suffering happening in our communities. And I wanted to know why is that happening? And then seeing Dakota Access Pipeline and, and suffering happening there and different things, it really kind of almost radicalized me in those moments to want to, to really dive into this and make climate activism what I do and, and to kind of be my all and, and what I'm trying to get involved with. I also appreciate that you used a Futurama, a cultural reference that I don't feel too old to grasp. Thank you, Stephen. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's like jump forward even more in time because I, I think that uh, something I wanted to get into a little bit with the both of you is you both played um, central, for sure, roles in the September 2019 rally at the Capitol that was uh, all youth driven and just a, an event that um, like just from a personal perspective, I thought I would share with you guys, you know, sometimes I'm 36. And so I, I, I'm not old, but I'm also not young. And so I feel like occasionally I, you know, I go through these cycles of, you know, peaks and valleys and you need things to reignite your passion for issues. Um, I mean, that, that pilot light is always burning for me for climate change, but it, you know, it still flickers at times. And that event was just, it was really powerful to see the, the scale of it and the passion and just the, the sentiments that were being shared. And then to see so many parents and grandparents attend the event like that was, yeah, it was just really kind of a transcendental, fantastic moment, I think for everybody who came to that event. Did you guys think that event, like, did you have it in your mind, like this is gonna be successful because we have worked our asses off because sometimes there's events that just go like that. They're like, they're amazing because you've put in so much work or was it, were you as surprised as maybe the average participant at the rally? I wasn't actually as big in the planning committee uh, as it was primarily like Brittany McGuire and then um, Steven. And so it was primarily them. And I know Brittany um, it would exhaust herself. Like she would forget to eat. She would just plan it day and night and day and night and day and night. And she didn't want to sleep. She wouldn't eat. But it was definitely like for me specifically, for a little bit that I ended up doing, it was a lot of when people just started showing up, like I had no idea what to expect from it uh, whatsoever. Like I was like, yo, this is really cool. This is our area. We're really passionate about it. We're surrounded by people that's, that are passionate about it. And so it's like, yeah, it'd be cool. I think we could get like a like a, I don't know, like maybe like a, like a hundred or so or a couple hundred. And then the amount of people that showed up was astounding, but the experience was very rewarding and it was very rejuvenating because of the fact it's, as you talked about, it is, is a flicker. It's like, this is important to us, but we're in Nebraska. It's not important to a lot of other people. 
And so actually being able to see those numbers after we just spent hours upon hours upon hours of recruiting and talking at classes um, and reaching out to people, all the people that we knew in every way, shape and form um, that we could. And then seeing the people show up uh, on that, on like in the September date, it was just amazing to see. It was like all these people care as much as we do and all the passion that we had, we could just speak it true because the fact it was stuff of just, it was also a huge therapy session to be real honest because the fact like looking out, it was like, we can speak what we want. We can talk about how frustrated we are. We can talk about our hopes and dreams for the future. We can talk about what we wanna see. We can talk about our demands. And the people aren't gonna throw tomatoes at us and they're not gonna tell us it's not gonna happen. They're only gonna scream and shout and be like, yeah, you're right, that does need to happen. And so it was a phenomenal experience and it was really great um, because also like a main part that I did that I thought was really fun is leading the chance as we walked down. And so I, I was a cheerleader and I was in high school. So I was like, I want to lead the chance. And I just spent hours just researching. I'm like, okay, I need to come up with a few chants of my own. I need to look up other chants, which is such a small part of it. Um, but it was just so much fun. In the race, a message. So deliver our four demands. One, pass the state climate action plan. Two, transition to regenerative agriculture. Three, harness our renewable energy potential. That baby. Yeah, that just brings back so many good memories, Kat. Of I can remember like you grabbing the mic, stepping up onto the 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 ledge there by the the fountain um, in the Union Green space, and just like starting to go crazy, and fists are getting thrown up, and it's just a really good moment. Definitely a lot went into that for sure. I'm kind of taking it back. I remember the strike happened. I think I think September 21st, so like the third week of September in 2019, and then so we had started planning that the first or second week of August because this was when Greta Thunberg was, was going very viral and that it was the global climate strikes were happening on that day. And this was a day when um, millions of people, I think the total was over like seven to 10 million people that day stood and, and climate accidents, arguably probably one of the biggest mobilizations of people on any issue ever. Um, so, and that was just last year. And it's just kind of going back to that. It was like, couple weeks in august and then hey we have about four weeks to plan this thing let's get on our horses and like cat said it was day and night day and night 
eat, sleep, breathe, drop everything we're doing. And really as a, as an organizer, you mentioned those peaks and valleys and just as someone who cares and things, there's a lot of peaks and valleys in these things. Um, you know, you're definitely at a high peak of, um, you know, when you're standing there at the podium, the marches came together, you got all these people, but coming out of that, you learn about what's, what burnout is and you learn about, you know, how much really went into that and the mental health of organizing. Um, it was more, we learned more about just, you know, organizing a, a march or a demonstration or how to get, you know, volunteers and tapping into your, your elders who, who are really nice. But we learned so much about how to t- take care of ourselves, how to be good, you know, friends and, and family to each other, um, how to celebrate. There's a great picture of, um, I remember right as the march ended, everybody's leaving. It's just kind of Brittany, myself, I think Ken Winston was right up there. And uh, honestly, what happened was there's a picture of Brittany and I just laying on the, on the ground, all sprawled out. And we're just like five starred just like crashed on, on the pavement of the Capitol steps. And what made that moment was I remember there was like the campus Capitol security started coming outside and I just laid down. I was like, you're going to have to drag my ass out of here. And then Brittany just laid down next to me and, and we were just there kind of like, what did we just do? Those were great reflections. Um, that's awesome. That's like kind of a behind the scenes look at that event. And um, you know, cause we were, we were all there as participants kind of seeing the, the facade, but it's cool to, to get your perspective from behind the scenes. How do you stay organized? I mean, that's a good question. And Stephen, you can answer after Kat, like, how do you maintain as a 20 year old, all your academic life, your social connections, and then still like find time just for the environment? Oh yeah. So first off the environment's my life. It is my first and it is my first priority. Um, like guys right now, they'll be like, yo, I want to date you or yo, I want to marry you. And I'm like, sorry, like I got a world to save. Like, I don't have time for that. I have time to hang out with you, but I'm not going to date anybody. I got a world to save. And so like, that's my outlook for the environment. But um, I've always been a very busy person, always throwing myself in the middle of everything. It it goes back to like my childhood, but like childhood trauma. And so I just like avoided it and just threw myself. So I'd be at the, at the school from like 6.30 AM to like 9, 9.30 PM. Um, and so when I got home, all I would do was homework and then fall asleep. And so that's the way I was in high school. And so I learned how to balance it. And I learned what burnout was in high school um, because of it. And so once I got to college, it's just part of who I am. And I honestly think college is way easier um, because of the fact it's like, I'm not like AP classes are way harder than college classes for me personally. I have way more time to focus on what I want. Um, and then I'm able to box everything. And so it's like, everything's in the box. Um, and of course, everything, I have a very selective, not selective, I have a very organized calendar, um, very organized to-do list, so I can keep track of all of it, but it's also all boxed. Um, and along with that, I'm not alone anymore. When I was in high school, when I was doing all this, I felt so alone. I felt so isolated because it was me caring about it and everybody kind of caring about it. And so I got so used to like throwing myself in the middle of it wanting to know everything that was going on because of the fact it's like even still right now there's still a part of me that's like if I don't have a hand in this if I'm not messaging people about it people aren't gonna do it or like that's just the feeling that I always have of like people still need to be motivated a lot of people don't have this internal fire um like Stephen, Brittany and I and like some other people have um so it's always having my hand in like everything comes from the fact that like I want all this stuff to happen because it's, it needs to happen. And if I don't have a hand in it, then like, 
I don't necessarily know if it's going to happen. So being able to motivate people because like there's that old saying, uh, Steven, I don't know if it's still on your wall. It's action is the antidote to despair because I suffer from climate anxiety, an extreme amount of climate anxiety. And when I was in high school and like freshman year of college, I would have so many up and down moments where I would just like break down crying because I was like, there's so much work that needs to be done. And I am only one person and there's so much work that needs to be done and no one's caring. And so the way that I get over that is by throwing myself into the middle and doing everything I can until I'm exhausted. Um, and so I've gotten way better. I've met people that are way lazier than me. And when I say lazy, it just like, I don't even mean lazy. I just mean they actually like take breaks. And so they've taught me. And so I've learned how to take breaks. This is why um, at the beginning, when you asked like, how much time do you have a day? I was like, I'm solid. I'm jobless right now. I'm taking a break. I read like a book a day, like taking time for myself, being able to reflect, figure out what I'm going to do in the spring, what my priorities are. Steven, how about you? How do you, how do you keep it all together? Do we keep it all together is the question. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> the answer to the question. Um, yeah, but definitely organizing has really helped kind of me figure out what systems do work for me. A lot of times it's been, you know, I really try to figure out what is, you know, I kind of balance what's urgent to me. What am I trying to prioritize, which, you know, you know, what do I feel is important and what feels like it's time sensitive or, or I kind of got to get going on this. Definitely just like formal systems of like writing things down, using my calendar, um, written calendar, trying to talk to people, staying organized. A lot of stuff like that is, you know, what I think a lot of people have different systems that they do, but a lot of like what really keeps the work happening keeps me able to go is a lot of now is um, a lot of what I do is really based on collaboration, asking others for help, um, understanding that I can't do all of this by myself in any way as much as I, I, I can grind, I can work hard and I can do high level work and all these great things. I cannot solve climate change by myself. I can't solve any problem by myself. And that's something that I have to really root in the work that I get done and how can I, you know, yeah, I have these good ideas for different things, but how can that happen with other people and get them involved to empower them to do this work as well? When I first got into organizing, I had a really bad mindset around, oh, by the time I do some, by the time I tell somebody else to do it and I give them the instructions and everything, I could have done it myself. Um, and I would get really stuck with like power hoarding and having too much work and struggle delegating and all those things when I was really got my start with like being president of Sustain UNL um, back when I was in college. And now I can, much better kind of give the work out and um, help guide others to find solutions to a lot of the problems that we're looking for and, and get things done with a lot more people. So I think collaboration is a really big thing and having a team that I can trust and, and wanting to put other people in those positions to be successful is really important to, to me staying together. And then um, really dealing with organizing and, and staying together is like perfectionism, I think is a big thing I have to name a lot is growing up, Kat mentioned like, um, a lot of her work being kind of her work ethic possibly being trauma induced and things. I think mine is definitely in that as well. Growing up low income near the poverty line um, in a hostile environment. I was also in, in foster care um, about halfway through eighth grade. I went into foster care and things like that. And so Kat mentioned always staying busy, busy, busy. That was about the time when I started wrestling. I started doing multiple sports, um, everything I could do after school. And I just wanted to stay busy, busy, busy. It was nothing against my foster family, they were great to me. And I still, I got very fortunate and I still have a relationship with them to this day, but it was like, it wasn't home for me. So I wanted to just stay active, keep, keep busy and really get after it. And just also being from the low, the, the low income background, you feel like you're in survival mode. Like I have to 
like when I was a kid, I played baseball. So I, I wanted to go to the top. I want to be a professional baseball player um, because I knew that was what looked perfect in that realm of what I liked. And so now when it's like, oh, we can do an event, let's, you know, let's have a lobby day. And it's like, oh, we can meet with these people and we can have food and we can have this training and we can invite these people and we can have the news come and we can do, I can see all these things that we can do. Um, but that's in the perfect world. And our organizing world, our organizing world is very imperfect and we have to realize, okay, what can we actually do? What do we know how to do? Um, what have we done before? And really learning how to deal with perfectionism, not just in organizing, but in other aspects of my life. Cause I think it pops into, you know, my, your diet and your nutrition and the way you work out and all these different things. And, uh, just going to the grocery store and stuff like that is where I'm really trying to be more organized and keep it together is like trying to deal with the perfectionism that pops up everywhere. Yeah, I really resonate with that perfectionism um, to an extreme degree. So I have actually like been diagnosed minor OCD. Um, and a lot of perfectionists have, like most kids who strive to get a 4.0, like have um, minor OCD. And so, yeah, no, Stephen talking about um, wanting to be perfect, that is definitely an issue as well. That's what problem I have with like, is of delegating. That's definitely a problem I have with delegating is I want it to be perfect. I want it to go at the best possible scenario. And so it's like, I know how to achieve the best possible scenario if I do it. I don't know how to achieve this best case scenario if like another person does it. And so learning how to trust is definitely a huge part of it. And um, also like a part of that uh, with like my upbringing as well as I also, um, I was never in foster care. I always had a phenomenal mom, but my father was abusive, um, like physically, physically, emotionally, and sexually. And then part of that was he would always say that I was a problem child because I would climb a tree to get away so I wouldn't be hit. And then he'd call the cops because I was defying him. And so like with that, I had to like prove within my schooling, within my activities, that I'm not a problem child. And so it was always like having to prove myself to the court system, having to prove myself to the judge of like, that I'm not actually this person that he says that I am. Like all from like starting in sixth grade all throughout high school. And so it's like that perfectionism, um, just like kind of just got drilled into me of like, I got to do this perfectly. If I mess up, it's going to like, I may end up having to go see my father and like, he may end up getting more custody of me that I don't want to do. And I don't want to be there. And so it's like that also really ingrained with me. And then like, just like having that um, just stuck with me. And so it just stayed in school, stayed in my activities and stays with me today. <laughs> Next time on The Dew Point, stay tuned for part two of our conversation with Kat Warner and Stephen Kircher. They will open up about their personal lives, working as climate advocates in Nebraska, and their goals for 2021. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Jesse Starita. Like what you heard? Learn more about the podcast and the newly formed Nebraska Environmental Action Organization at ENACTS dot org backslash the do point the do point hit the subscribe or follow button on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell a friend <laughs>